senior location pastor here at New Life Community Church, Mount Clare. And uh, Anthony probably didn't see it, but they, they, there are dates for the wake of, of Heidi that is going to be this Friday and Saturday. Friday evening, Saturday morning. Uh, we'll get, once we get times and everything, I'm still working uh, with that, uh, with Rick. We have a meeting tomorrow. And once we have that set up, we'll make sure that we put it up. So pay attention. If you have Facebook, um, try to go to our page, like our page. That way you can see all the information on there, okay? It's been difficult. It's a challenge anytime you have to try to prepare a sermon uh, or anything when you are dealing with real life issues. And I just find it fitting. Uh, you know, it's, God is amazing on, on how things sometimes get timed. I did not know when I was preparing this message uh, that we were going to have a passing of one of our ministry partners, our family, in which we go on ahead and we do life with. And so we're gonna, you're going to see a lot of similarities. It's almost going to look like if I'm prepared a sermon for a horror awake here today. But as we come to a close of our nine-week sermon series uh, in which we've been studying through the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy, we now start to see that in this book, the Apostle Paul, servant of God, knew that his time was coming to an end. His time was coming to an end, and yet although he found himself in a prison awaiting his sentence to be beheaded, he is going on ahead and he's still continuing to do all in his power to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And in this moment, he finds himself throughout this whole letter, he is writing to his younger protege, Timothy. And he's telling Timothy, Timothy, life is going to be hard. People are going to come against you. People are going to uh, uh, come against you for the gospel. Look at me. Look at what they do, they're doing to me. But yet continue to move forward because this means everything. That is spreading the love and the hope that there is in Jesus Christ. And he goes on ahead and he encourages him that through it all, remember who it is that we believe in, the all-powerful, mighty God. And as we come to an end of chapter 4, we are reading the final recorded words of the Apostle Paul. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up to the second book of Timothy, chapter 4, verse 9. I'm not going to read it line uh, verse for verse, but you're going to hear me kind of hitting certain points. But we're reading the final recorded words of the Apostle Paul. And as a matter of fact, after he wrote these last verses, the curtain closes on his life. Now, what happens next has been deba debated for over 2,000 years, but it seems most likely very soon that he was beheaded by the, 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 the kind of like the leader there of Rome. Uh, his name was Nero. So as we read this and as we come to this last chapter, you know, something that comes to mind is what was on his mind at the end of his life? His last recorded words are, interestingly, mostly about people. You see, sometimes we wonder, what would our last recorded words be? Would they be maybe the, the finishing sentence of an argument that we had with someone? Would the last recorded words that we give be maybe some bashing goss gossip 
words that we were using against someone else. But here, the Apostle Paul, we see his last recorded words are about people. In his final days, his thoughts went to someone called Damas, who was a friend of his at one point, but had left him in his time of need, choosing to love the world instead. I don't want to be one of those friends. Where someone's final words are, yeah, I remember Pastor Lewis who was with me, but then he deserted me because he loved the world so much. He thought of other good friends that are mentioned there in these passages as well that were serving the Lord, but in other places, places in which he did ministry, just like we do here in New Life. We do ministry with brothers and sisters, and sometimes God transitions them to different locations or different parts of the, the, the city, state, or, or even the, 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 the continent to go out ahead and do the work of Jesus Christ. He mentions them as well. He's grateful that Brother Luke, who he mentions here, has also remained in Rome, where Paul is in a prison, to give him comfort while he is there. He also mentions a name uh, of a brother called Alexander the Metalworker, who opposed him and did all he could do to keep him from spreading the gospel. He sends this special greeting to friends in distant places, and then he sends an interesting greeting to Timothy uh, from friends in Rome, and he gives thanks to God for, for them standing next to him during this trial of a season for him. When it seemed that all, had, all the people had forsaken him, the, the Lord delivered him from the mouth of the lion, and he will continue to deliver him so that he has complete confidence that he will one day enter into heaven, the he heavenly kingdom of God, as he mentions through these passages. But above all else, he wanted Timothy to come to see him in prison before he died. Remember that Timothy at this time, I'll give you a little bit of, uh, I think I mentioned it uh, several service or, um, messages ago, but he's probably in Ephesus right now. Ephesus from Rome was, a hundred, it was hundreds of miles away, and in reality, he couldn't just get on a jet. Uh, he couldn't fly Southwest Airlines and get there in a few hours. It would have it taken him several months for him to go from Ephesus to Rome. And so the aged apostle wanted to see his young friend, one final time before he died. And I want you to listen to what it is he says and how it is that he's kind of sort of repeating himself. At the, in verse 9 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, it says this, Do your best to come to me quickly, is what Paul is telling Timothy. Then if you look over in verse 11, it says, Get Mark and bring him with you. At the end of verse 12, he says, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Toros and my scrolls, especially the parchment. And then at the end of verse 21, it says, Do your best to get here before winter. Now, the King James Version translates the last part of verse 21 with these three simple words. And these are the three words that I have titled today's message, and that is, come before winter. Come before winter. What he's saying is, Timothy, hey, brother Timothy, if you're going to come at all, I need you to come now. I need you to come right now. Don't wait. Timothy, don't delay, because I'm not sure I'm going to be alive much longer. So 
Come quickly, my friend, is what Paul is telling Timothy. Come before winter. As I'm reading this text and I was studying this text, there is, there is three questions that kind of arose for us to consider today. The first question that kind of pops up is, why come before winter? Why come before winter? Well, the answer to that question is practical and it's also simple. You see, because during the winter, the weather made travel by sea difficult. Sometimes it made it completely impossible. So, in other words, if Timothy delayed at all, he was not going to be able to come to Rome, possibly till the spring. And the reality is that if Timothy would have waited that long, Paul most likely would have been dead by that point. So, some things, when looking at this, we got to realize that some things must be done before winter. You know, I think myself, Right now, as, as I look at my, the, the backyard of my house, and we st I still have some patio things out and some things that, I, that my wife keeps telling me, Dave, I need you to put this stuff away before it gets too cold and, 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 and icy and snowy because too many times before I've, I've kind of left it and, and then it's destroyed. I've got to throw it out in the spring. Some things can't wait. Some things need to be done, and they need to be done right now because if they are not done before winter, they won't be done at all. The reality is that there are doors of opportunity, church, that are open before us today. But if we don't take advantage of those doors that are open for us today, then by springtime, those doors could possibly be shut down forever. So you can't wait forever to respond to things that are important. Things that seem small today, the reality is, churches, they become large tomorrow. Shakespeare said, there is a tide in the affairs of men which, when taken at flood, leads to fortune. You see, sometimes we need to respond now. Sometimes we need to respond like today, not yesterday. We must answer now. We must act now. We must not wait or delay or put things off. We must not say, hey, you know what? Tomorrow's another day. How many of us use that, 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 that line? I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Dave, can you do this? I'll do it tomorrow. Mom, Dad, can you do this? We'll do it tomorrow. God is nudging, knocking on the doors of your heart. God, I'll take care of that tomorrow. See, the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 13 through 14, it says this. It says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city. Spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This is the Bible giving us some real talk. See, some of us think we're invincible. Some of us think we're powerful. Some of us think we're mighty, that nothing could ever happen to us. You know what the Bible describes you? As a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It's gone. I remember when I was leading the youth ministry I, and I preached on this. I had a, a, a bottle of uh, a water and I just sprayed it. I said, look at this. What is this, guys? That's water. No, that's our life. You see it real quick and then it's gone. That's all we are is what the Bible describes here. Just vapor. 
amiss the time that you and I are in this world. We're just dust in the wind, the Bible says. Like grass of the field that is here today and is gone tomorrow. You know, sometimes on occasion I hear of a tragic uh, or sudden death. As someone that, that, that maybe just passes away, uh, that their life is over in an instant. And, and sometimes I hear people say, hey, well, praise God because he's gone. Or, or praise God because she's gone to, to, to get her reward. And sometimes the pastor in me, I, and it shouldn't just be the pastor in me, but it should be the Christian in all of us. I can't help but think, but was he ready? Was she ready? That's what I hear sometimes while I'm sitting in the news and I'm watching this and someone that, that, that was waiting at a bus stop expecting to get on a bus and ride and get to their job. All of a sudden, something happens and now they're dead. Was he ready? It's a good question. But as the Bible tells us, church, is that sooner or later, we will all die. And the day may come sooner than we actually think. So Paul goes on ahead and he says, hey, Timothy, make sure that you come quickly. And bring my cloak because it's cold in prison in the winter. Then he says, and bring my books and bring my parchment so that I can write while I am in here. As I'm looking at this, I'm just, I just kind of think about how we all need friends, don't we? We all need friends. We all need family members. Sometimes we feel like we can't make it without our friends to help us out. See, when I read this, I don't think that Paul was afraid to die. Paul wasn't telling, hey, Timothy, come, up, come over here really quick because I'm afraid to die. I don't believe that. As a matter of fact, I know that he's not afraid to die because in the beginning of chapter 4, he goes out ahead and he says, hey, listen, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept my faith. So the reality is that Paul knows that when he closes his eyes for the last time on this side of eternity, he knows exactly where it is that he's going. Death was not a problem. But Paul, Paul was very human. Paul was just like you, just like me. And I believe that Paul didn't want to die alone. That is one of those fears that we, we hardly ever talk about. But it lurks around the corner. The reality of us not wanting to die alone and not wanting to be forgotten. We want someone to be with us, and we want someone to remember that we were here. The second question that pops up to my mind as I'm looking through this text is, well, pastor, did Timothy go? Did Timothy hurry and make it to the prison before winter? Well, here we are faced with, with a mystery. We simply don't know the answer to that question. The Bible doesn't tell us. But just for a moment here, please entertain my imagination, can we? Let's imagine that Timothy says to himself, yes, all right, I got your letter, Paul. I got it, and I must go to Rome. But first, I have to attend to some matters here in Ephesus. I get that you want me to hurry up and go to you, but i got to handle some things here first. I must attend these things. And because Timothy delays, winter comes, and, and now he, can't, he finds out, hey, I can't get a ship out to Rome until spring. For months, he worries about his dear friend in, in the prison, hundreds and 
of miles away. And at last, finally, the weather starts to get better, and he makes his long journey to Rome. And now he arrives at Rome, and he, he tries to find, find Paul. He's going through all these prisons. He can't, find, he can't find him. No one seems to know where exactly he is. And finally, he comes to the home of Claudia or Pudens or Linus, which are people that are mentioned in the second book of Timothy, chapter 4, that Paul was talking about. And then they look at Timothy, and they kind of recognize him, and they say, hey, aren't you Timothy? And then they go on ahead and tell him, hey, Timothy, Paul wanted to see you so bad. He prayed that you would come. He never gave up hope seeing you again. But Timothy, sorry to tell you, but he was beheaded last October. His last message to you that he wanted us to tell you was, give Timothy my love, tell him goodbye for me, tell him to meet me in now, the reality is that was my imagination. We don't know if it happened exactly like that. But this much is certain, church. I tell you that to tell you this thing right here. And that is that procrastination destroys many good intentions. Procrastination destroys many good intentions. You see, more marriages die because of sl slow neglect than from deliberate abandonment. Things essential and basic are neglected every single day. I bet you you can make a list of them yourself. We mean to say a word of encouragement, but the reality is, man, I just never got around to it. We mean to write a letter or make a call, but it never gets done. We mean to share Christ with a neighbor we intend to get serious about our faith with Jesus Christ. We hope to pray more. We hope to read the Bible more. We, we have great dreams and high ideals. But the reality is time and neglect and the trivia of life sap our strength and divert us until the day comes when the resolve is all gone. Our marriages have grown cold. Our children have left home. Our spiritual life has grown dull. That's why Paul was telling Timothy, God is telling us today, come before winter. Hurry up. Yes, come now. Do it now. Serve God now, church. What you would do for God, you can do it. But you can't delay. Whatever God has placed in your heart, do it now. If he's telling you to encourage someone, encourage them. If he's telling you to visit someone, visit someone. If he's telling you, hey, get closer to me, get closer to him now. In the words of Paul before winter, there's a story told of three apprentice, apprentice devils who were coming to earth for, the first, for their first assignment. They met Satan who asked them, what is your strategy? I want to know what is, it, what is it that you have planned for the people in which you're going to try to devastate. The first one said, I'm going to tell people that there is no God. That's what the first devil said, uh, devil apprentice. And Satan says, that, that's not going to work. Because in their hearts of hearts, they know deep down inside that there is a God. 
I will tell them, said the second devil, that there is no hell. That won't work because there's so much evil on earth, they know there must be a hell, Satan replied. The third apprentice devil thought for a moment, and then he said, I will tell them that there is no hurry. Go, said Satan. Tell them that, tell them that and you will ruin them by the minute. What are we holding on? What, what is it that, that God is telling us to do that we are saying, ah, there's no rush? Because last I checked, man, when we're talking about what we're talking about here today, we're, we're, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about our souls. We're talking about the lives of people that we love, the lives of people that we hold, that we go together to Christmas parties and, and birthday parties, and we celebrate, and we love them so much, and we say we will do anything for them. But what about talking to them about Jesus Christ? What about telling them, listen, I love you, but listen, if you don't die with Christ in your heart, accepting him as your Lord and personal Savior, then the Bible says, listen, you won't be with us for all eternity. How about telling them that? What are we waiting for, the perfect time, the right time? The third question that I have that, arrived, that, that, that kind of popped up to my mind in this passage is, would you have gone? Would you have gone when you were supposed to go? Let's say yes, right? The first thing you're going to say is, yes, of course, I, I would go. Of course we would have gone. But the reality is that we say that, but there's many times, even myself, where, where, where I kind of start to think about things that I wish I had done that I didn't. And many of us, the reality is that we live in that reality, the, re the reality of too little, too late. We had good intentions, but somehow we never got around to doing it. We truly meant well. We meant for things to be different. But all too often, we end up with the ifs and buts of life. But I want you to listen up to this, church. And that is that some things need to be said now. Some things need to be done now. The opportunity is today. It's not tomorrow. What is it that God is calling you to do? Think about that for a minute. What is the good deed that maybe God is telling you to do? What act of forgiveness do you need to do? What step of faith do you need to take? What prayer should you be praying? What sin is it that you need to confess? What bad habit is it that you have that you need, that needs to be broken? What service could you render for the Lord and for his church? What call is it that you need to get on the phone and make today? What letter must you write today? What relationship must you begin to repair today? Who in your life needs to hear about Jesus, but you've been putting off telling them about him? Whatever it is, church, think of the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Come before winter. Do it. Do it now. If you intend to spend time with your children, then don't wait till tomorrow. Do it now because before you know it, they'll be gone. They won't be home forever. Don't decide to 
spend time in repairing your marriage because before you know it, that marriage will be over. Don't intend to put off your time with getting to know God in a more personal level because before you know it, you might not have breath in your lungs any longer. You see, because in the end, it is Christ who calls to us. It is Christ who's speaking to us today. And the reality is that he knocks and he stands at the door of each and every single one of your hearts. The question is, the million-dollar question is, will you open the door and let him in? You see, because he says, come unto me. And he says, come now. He says, don't delay. Don't put it off. The Bible says, behold, now is the day of salvation. When is the day of salvation? Now. It's today. You know, the sweetest word and the most solemn word of salvation is this little word, and that little word is today. It's today. When I was putting this together, I thought about Jesus when he said to Zacchaeus, and he tells him, hey, come down out of that sycamore tree because I'm going to your house, and I'm going to your house today. Not tomorrow. I won't be in town tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation, church. Tomorrow, come on. Stop being foolish. Tomorrow may never come. And if you can find one place in the Bible where it says come to Christ tomorrow, if you can find that one place, I'll take my microphone off, I'll step off this pulpit, and I'll never preach again. Because the Bible always says today, not tomorrow. Come to Christ while you have the opportunity. If you're listening to me online, if you're listening to me audio version, whatever it is, come to Christ while you still have the opportunity, while you still have the desire. Because if God is knocking, there's a desire inside of you. The reality is that some of us have taken a long journey in the wrong direction before we have finally responded. But there are many people who have decided to come. They decided to come before winter. They decided to come before it was too late. There are people all over this world who have heard the call. There are people who have ran to the cross of Jesus Christ. And today, church, as Paul was telling Timothy, I tell you, I appeal to you to do the same. For some who read these words, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart. And he's knocking, and he's knocking, and he's knocking. The question is, will you open the door, or will you let him in? If you look at this picture here to the right, many years ago, this, 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 um, this artist, Holman Hunt is his name. He painted a classic picture called The Light of the World. It's a little bit hard to see because it's not the best copy and it's pretty bright in here. But it, it depicts Jesus at the door of a lovely English cottage. And if you look at it, everything kind of seems normal until you begin to study the picture very closely. And as if you as you start to study the picture very closely, I want you to kind of look there at the door where there would normally be a handle. If you look at it, you, you see that there's there's no there's no doorknob on the outside of that picture. Why? Why did the artist choose not to put a doorknob on the picture of the outside of that door in which Jesus is knocking? That is simply because the door to the hearts 
must be opened from the inside. The painting is true to life, and it is true to the Bible. When it says, if you hear the Lord knocking at your heart's door, do not delay. Go now and open the door and invite Christ into your life as Savior and Lord. Don't wait a second longer, church, because the reality is you don't know if you've got that stuff. What you have is now. The breath that you're breathing, now. Don't wait a second longer. Do it now. Would you come to Christ before winter comes? For the clock of life is wound but once, I read. And no one has the power to tell just when that hand that operates that clock of your life will stop. In late or early hour, now is the time that we have. So live, church. Love. Work with the will. But don't wait for tomorrow. For the clock may then be still. Paul tells Timothy, come before winter. And as you rise to your feet, Close your eyes right where you're at. You're watching us online at home. Close your eyes right there as well. And I want you to, to heed this warning, this call to action, to come before winter, to come before it is too late. There's only one way that we can guarantee that it's not delayed, and that's if we act on it right now. You heard me during this message. There's relationships that need to be repaired. Begin to work on them now. Marriages, work on them now. Whatever it is, your relationships, most importantly with Jesus Christ, work with it now. Stop putting it off. Stop abusing the grace and the mercy in which God has given you. let them know today, Lord, is the day in which I choose to run to you, to come to you. Listen, because when you come to Christ and when your relationship with Christ becomes one, then what happens is every other relationship that you've got to work with naturally begins to heal. And God gives you the strength to work in those, whatever those shortcomings are. So I want to take a, a little bit of time because it's a little early. It's allowed Jason to kind of sing a song here today, but I want to open up this altar. If you want to stay where you're standing, feel free to do so, but my challenge to you is begin to analyze your life. Ask God, God, reveal to me whatever it is that, that, that needs attention. If you've been putting things off and you're waiting for tomorrow, go to God today and say, God, no, today is the day. I need you to help me with whatever it is that you need help with. Maybe it's your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with friends, family. Maybe it's, it's a relationship with your marriage. Maybe it's just God's been tugging your heart, like encourage this person. Send them a text message. Give them a call. But you keep putting it off. You don't know if that person's going to be there tomorrow to receive that text. Do it today. And in the meantime, on our count of three, I'm going to open up the altar for anyone that wants to come up and pray and speak to the Lord. We can pray with you as well. While Jason sings this song, one, 
two, three. surrender 
God, arms wide open. Pouring out my life, gracefully broken. Father, we praise you, Lord, and we thank you this morning, Lord. Lord, as the lyrics say, Father God, Lord, is here we are, Father God. I pray, Lord, that we would be a church, Lord, that surrenders to you, Father God. Lord, and no matter whatever the circumstance is that presents itself before us, God, Lord, that we would just get in the habit of lifting our hands up, Lord, as a sign of surrendering, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you would take complete control of whatever it is, Father, before us. But, Father, before we seek to you to help us with our issues, Lord, that we would seek you first to help us in our hearts. Lord, to correct us, Father God. To open up our eyes, to remove the scales, Father God, to see who it is that we are, Lord Jesus. Father, Lord, that we would grow in a relationship with you, Jesus. Lord, that we would grow in desiring you each and every day, just as a good relationship grows and matures with each other, Father God, Lord, that we could grow and mature in love with you, God. Lord, you tell us that that happens, Lord, only when we draw near to you. The word tells us to draw near to you, and you would draw near to us, Father God. And today, I pray, Lord, that, Father, that would be so. Lord, knowing the truth that you are as close to us as we want you to be, God. Pray, Father God, that you would give wisdom, that you would give guidance, discernment, Father, to your church, to your brothers and sisters that are here today, those that are watching us online, Father God, Lord, that you would give them the strength to continue, Father God, to continue, Lord, so that at the end, Father, we can be like the Apostle Paul to say, we have finished the race, we finished it well, we have fought the good fight, Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, as we get ready to dismiss today, Lord, that you would be with each and every one of your people, Father, that you would give them guidance, that you would give them protection, Father God. Lord, that you would remind us that no matter where we go, Father God, today, throughout the week, Father God, that you have called us to be the salt of this earth. You've called us to be the light of the world, meaning that you have called us to, to, to stand out, not just to blend in, Lord Jesus. Father, let us look at these examples like the Apostle Paul, those that were in chains, getting ready to die, but yet still loved you so much that continue to spread your message of hope. Lord, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in today, that we would be encouraged to do the same. Church, we leave you with this blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you all. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you peace. In Jesus' name, the church of God says, amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you, church. You are dismissed. We will see you next week.